Let's open our Bibles, please, to Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to pick up where we left off last week, give a short review. We're talking about the kingdom of Christ and uh, rightly dividing the word of truth and dispensationalism in that there are three kingdoms, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, and the kingdom of Christ. And so we want to understand uh, the technicalities of the differences and understanding biblical uh, terminology and, and definition and rightly dividing the word of truth. Let's look at Ephesians 5 and verse 1. Be therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness let it not be once named among you as becometh saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no whoremonger nor unclean person nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. So it tells us to be followers of God as dear children, walk in love, and then it tells us that we're a part of a, a kingdom, um, and it tells the people who are disqualified from the kingdom, and they will have no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you'd bless the message, that you would lead and guide us as to what to say and how to say it. We yield to your spirit that he would do all the work. Uh, help us to justify this truth uh, in some way, that you'd feed your sheep, that you'd fill us, and help us to hunger and thirst after righteousness. We pray that we would understand uh, the kingdoms and that we are heirs and join heirs with Christ. And someday we'll be adopted into full sonship through election. Help us, we pray, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, just give you a real short review. Don't want to cover too much uh, to be redundant, but you can listen to the tape from last week. Uh, there are basically two kingdoms that are usually emphasized most people aren't aware of the differences, but one of the main rules of biblical interpretation is things different are not the same. So every word is on purpose and every word is uh, preserved by God and spoken from the mouth of God and every word has a distinct definition. So the kingdom of heaven then would be different from the kingdom of God and if you try to equate these and make the terms synonymous, you will arrive at a false conclusion because they're two different kingdoms. So as we looked at, the kingdom of God is internal, invisible, spiritual. It is the kingdom uh, of the church age, or the kingdom of grace, or the, uh, the uh, covenant of grace, and that's one good example is uh, Romans, uh, and we'll look at this again in a minute, uh, 14, 17. 
but we're told that Jesus came preaching the kingdom of uh, God in Mark chapter 1, and then also in Matthew 4, it says he came preaching the kingdom of heaven. So it's technically different, and the main goal is to enter into the kingdom of Christ. So in our dispensation, this point in history on the earth in which we live, you get born again, you're saved by grace through faith, you are baptized by the one spirit baptism into Christ, so you have, you're part of the kingdom of God, but that kingdom is within you. Nobody can see it, it's invisible. It is a mystery. This is called the mystery of godliness. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And then our lives are hid with Christ in God. So the, church, the uh, kingdom of God will usher in, if you will, the kingdom of heaven, but it's really just a temporary parenthetical dispensation because Israel rejected the kingdom of heaven. They crucified the Lord of glory, the king of the Jews, the king of kings and Lord of lords. And so God rejected them temporarily, not completely, and graft in the, uh, the church but the split second the church is over and we go up to meet the Lord in the air at the rapture then the 70th week of Daniel will begin Antichrist will be revealed uh, time of Jacob's trouble what we call the tribulation and then Christ is coming back fight the battle of Armageddon and he will establish the kingdom of heaven so the kingdom of heaven is a literal physical visible kingdom in which Christ will rule in Jerusalem. He will come down. He, he said he, the, mount, uh, the mountain will split in two and he will rule with a rod of uh, iron for thousand years and we will rule and reign with him. So you have this invisible kingdom which we're a part of. You know, I'm looking at kings right now. It says in Revelation 1.6, He hath made us kings and priests unto himself. So kings and priests don't look necessarily like a king or a priest, but that's what you are if you're in the kingdom of God. But then when the kingdom of heaven comes, you'll know it. Uh, and it will be very visible, very, very evident. Now, as we read the only way to get into it is through inheritance. You can't buy your way in. It's not by uh, favoritism. God is not a respected persons. There's only one way. You have to be in the will of the king, of the kingdom, so that when the will is executed, you will inherit what is rightfully yours, by the legal document of the will of God. So it tells us you're going to need a, to be in the will, but if you're in the will, something has happened in your life to your very nature and your character, and it tells you these people who will not inherit it. And it talks about the covetous, the idolaters, the fornicators, 
these type of people. So the sinners will not uh, enter in. They are not heirs. And you've probably heard about uh, the reading of the will and people get mad. They want to contest the will. Some people want to try to get the will changed on the deathbed of uh, the estate holder. A lot of trickery takes place. A lot of people get mad. And uh, like somebody told me recently, whenever there's money involved, somebody's going to try to cheat. Whenever there's money involved, somebody's going to get mad. There's going to be some type of uh, corruption or, you know, anger, hurt feelings uh, because you have to be in the will to get in the kingdom. So, praise the Lord, if, if you're in Christ, you are in the will. Your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And the Bible says we are joint heirs with Christ. So all that God the Father has bestowed upon the Son, you are a joint heir with Christ, which means very, very wealthy, very, very powerful in the estate holder. So the kingdom of God will get you into the kingdom of heaven, riches of the inheritance in literal riches. So now what we call blessings and benefits, and the Bible says he loadeth us with benefits. We are blessed. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. These are like fringe benefits of being in the invisible kingdom. But one day, all those who enter in the kingdom of heaven through the kingdom of God, and this is our dispensation, doesn't apply to the Old Testament saints, but then you will have your inheritance. You know, and a lot of us here have inheritance. There's people here, you probably inherited land, money, could be, could be a, a company, who knows, riches that you've inherited. And so you're supposed to have wisdom, manage that, pass it on to your heirs. And so a wise man leaveth an inheritance to who? His children's children. So some people... If you don't think your children are very wise and your grandchildren, you better put it in a trust fund where they can't sell it and do what they call in Oklahoma, poop it off or blow it. Because uh, I see it all the time. Somebody works real hard, saves their money, lives frugal, wise. They pass it on. Easy come, easy go. And wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished. And... They want to sell it and go on a Walt Disney cruise, you know, or they want to go, uh, as they say in North Texas, on a trip to Hawaii. They, I don't know why they can never say Hawaii, but it's Hawaii. Uh, they, they just want to blow it uh, or get a new car or something like that. Uh, but a wise person appreciates their inheritance. They know where it came from. They want to manage it wisely, and they want to pass it on uh, to their heirs, but as we mentioned last time, if you make the, the mistake, I almost said fatal mistakes, not fatal, but could be, uh, in equating the same definition to the kingdoms, then you're going to reach a private interpretation, which is false doctrine. So you're going to come up with a post-trib rapture, post-millennialism, reconstructionalism, 
Uh, you may, there's now a pre-tribulation or a pre-wrath doctrine being propagated, and it's all based upon applying kingdom of God doctrines to the kingdom of heaven and taking Matthew 24 and 25 which has nothing to do with the church. Remember, the church is already gone in, in Revelation 5. We're already raptured out. Uh, Matthew is a kingdom book. And in Matthew 24 and 25, if you start getting into the second coming, uh, there's even a rapture in Matthew 24, and, which is, has nothing to do with us. That's the rapture of Israel to Mount Sinai at the second coming, he will gather his elect from the four winds of heaven. That's not the church. We're not scattered to the four winds of heaven. That's Israel because they rejected the kingdom of heaven. And then you, and you start looking at the parable of the ten virgins and some are wise and foolish. You're going to end up with the works, salvation, split ra uh, rapture. You know, and so then you have some Baptists I've heard him preach even uh, that uh, if you're not spirit-filled right with God at the rapture, you get left behind. You know, I've heard that one. And where did they get it? Matthew 25. Has nothing to do with us. That's the kingdom of heaven, not the kingdom of God. So, just say a couple things in passing. Um, it's very important. We'll look at this in a moment. But the kingdom of Christ... All these kingdoms are for the Jews. Now that seems a little bit contradictory right there because you say, now wait a minute, I'm not a Jew, I'm a Gentile. But as we'll look at, it's not for what we think of the stock of Abraham biologically, racially, a Jew of Israel. If you're saved, you get into this kingdom by faith and a baptism and you're circumcised in your heart, not in the flesh, as we looked at in Colossians 2 and Ephesians, some really good verses in New Testament doctrine. But you're a Jew if you had the faith of Abraham, and Abraham was a friend of God and lived by faith and was justified, and you are a Jew in your heart inwardly, not outwardly. So... This is what makes the devil really mad and makes people who are not in the kingdom full of hate because Israel is God's chosen and you have to be in the will to get in the kingdom and all those other people are not in the will. So they're pretty mad about it. And they may not realize it, but that's one of the deep, deep-rooted problems in their life of resentment and anti-Semitism is that God's people were chosen by His sovereign providence and you're either in it or you're out of it. And you get in it by inheritance. You know, if uh, some people just were put in a will by the will of the testator, by the will of the estate holder. And then I've, I've, uh, there's a famous family in town, I won't tell you their name, or in our area, in our county. Their grandfather had a lot of land down by Catula and Freer, became very, very wealthy. There was oil found, natural gas. 
he was angry at his son and he disinherited his son and gave everything to the two grandsons. And, you know, this type of thing happens all the time. But then other people want to be fair, you know, and fair is a place where you judge the pig, you know. Fair is a place where you go and the Hereford cattle have their tail like a cotton ball and they spray perfume on them and do their little hair pretty. Uh, and there's a Ferris wheel and you eat cotton candy and fried cheese. Or I don't know. Everything's fried on the midway. Uh, life's not fair. And you're, you're not supposed to give your inheritance to somebody who's going to blow it. And some of you need to look down the road. If, if somebody's not going to appreciate it and they can't manage money and they're slave to their lust, their worldly, why would you give them your hard-earned money knowing they're going to blow it? Uh, you need to think about that. And, and it's in the Bible. So according to the law, the eldest son received a double portion of inheritance because he had the priestly rights and he had to take care of the, the sisters uh, and manage the estate. But, you know, a lot of people just want to be fair and then look what happens when you got the wise son, the prodigal son. The prodigal came back, but the other son got mad about it. So whenever there's money involved, somebody's getting mad. <laughs> Get ready. And it's, it's not supposed to be fair. It's supposed to be based on righteousness and the will of the estate holder. He can give it to whoever he wants. You know, and some people sneak in there and steal it. I see it happen all the time. They sneak in and steal it. Uh, but you can't do that in the kingdom of God. And you can't do that with the kingdom of heaven. And you're not going to do it with the kingdom of Christ. But a lot of people try to do it with earthly kingdoms and estates. So you have to get in the will. Now, you can't get in the will by schmoozing. Is that a bad term? You can't schmooze your way into the will. You, uh, though it works sometimes. Uh, somebody just said, I like that person. I'm putting them in my will. And I don't like that person, and I'm taking them out of my will. And if you make me mad, I'll take you out of my will. Uh, but, and so some people try to you know, play up to them, say what they want to hear, be very nice to them. But true inheritance is deserving by the legal contract that the estate holder used their will to put you in their will to make you an heir of their estate of whatever they chose. And then you are the uh, holder of it and now you are liable and accountable because you owe them for what they have done for you but also it's it's a morality with God you know to be wise estate managers to pass it on a wise man uh, give it his inheritance to his children's children so kingdom of God is invisible spiritual only for the church age you're saved by grace through faith you are born again indwelt by the Holy Spirit your body becomes the temple of the Holy Ghost and you have eternal security this is the record he that hath the son hath life he that hath not the son of God hath not life 
These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. You are born into the kingdom, and you are a joint heir with Christ, but it's invisible. So see, a lot of people don't like that. You know, if we were here saying, if you come to the kingdom, you get a golden crown with rubies and emeralds, and you get a chariot pulled by six white horses, and you get an estate on a man. You know how many people would be waiting to get in? They'd be fighting to get in. But see, this kingdom is way better than that. It's an eternal, but it's invisible. So they don't have any faith to see it, so they're out there tonight. What are they doing tonight? Waiting in the line at McDonald's? I don't get it. What is so important that you can't pack the house of God out that you don't realize you're a part of the kingdom of God and you're in the will? You're in the will. It's unbelievable to think about. And we serve Him by love, by free will. So this invisible kingdom is going to one day be a part of the kingdom of heaven. So the kingdom of heaven will be when Jesus Christ comes riding on a white horse to fight the battle of Armageddon. The armies which are in heaven will follow him on white horses. That's us, the church. His vesture will be dipped in blood. It will be bathed in heaven, according to Isaiah 34 and other places. And he'll come down to Idumea, which is Edom, work his way up the east side of Jordan, wipe out all of his enemies, cross the Jordan River, and there set the battle in array in Armageddon, and it will be, he will plead with all nations. He will give them a chance. Who is on the Lord's side? And all the nations of the earth will gather to fight against him. And it says in Luke 21, when you see Jerusalem encompassed by army, know the desolation is nigh. In other words, the abomination of desolation, which will be committed by the Antichrist at the midpoint of Daniel's 70th week. Jerusalem will already be surrounded by armies. And the battle will be set. Now, he will plead in the valley of decision. And then he will destroy all his enemies he will set up the kingdom of heaven on earth. He will literally rule and reign for a thousand years, which is the last day of the great sabbatical week. Starts with the day of the Lord, and it's also then turns into what? The day of Christ, which is the millennium. And we will rule and reign with him for a thousand years. So what people don't realize is we're going to be God's law enforcement during the millennium and he will beat people with a rod of iron it'll be no longer turn the cheek pray for them it says they will have to travel to Jerusalem annually to observe the feast of tabernacles and if they don't do it God's going to make a drought come on their land and once again Egypt is the problem it mentions Egypt specifically they're not going to travel and God's going to judge them during, during this uh, kingdom of uh, heaven. So then what's going to happen as we looked at last time? Christ then is going to give the kingdom back to the Father. And I can show you this in uh, 1 Corinthians 15. He will bestow it back to the Father and 
all of this will lead into, and if you want to summarize it, you can, but it's technically different, the kingdom of Christ. It's all about Christ. It's all because he obeyed the will of the Father and he sent him to do his will. He died on the cross. He endured the cross, despising the shame. He learned obedience through suffering. And he lost none that the Father entrusted him with. So let's just look at a few more uh, verses that deal with this. And once again, let's look again at John 18. We looked at this last time, but you need to remember where this is uh, if you want to use it. John 18, verse 36. And Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews, but now is my kingdom not from hence. So, first principle of the kingdom of Christ, it's not of this world. Alright, it's not of this world. Now, a lot of Baptists, good old Baptists, fall into this militia mentality. And I'm totally against it. He didn't say go get a machine gun and fight. His kingdom is not of this world. I know a lot of tough guys want to, you know, bear arms and you need to defend yourself. But that's the wrong mentality. I mean, this isn't the time to fight. This is, his kingdom's not of this world. He plainly said, if it was, I could call my angels, they would fight for me. It's not the time to fight. Now, that doesn't mean you're a wimp. You defend yourself, you defend your family, you provide for your own. But you don't militarily fight back. That's the government's job. His kingdom is not of this world. Some of us need to get our, our mind right on this. We had a guy, uh, he, he was uh, misinterpreted the word of God. And he, at our old ranch, you came into a kingdom, there were cliffs. And he came out there and he said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to set up a machine gun nest right here. I mean, he meant it. You know, and he said, the NSA has this heat seeking. They've got satellite. And, uh, and then I think he wanted uh, like cannon and bazooka is an old term. But he said, here's going to be our rocket launchers and we'll funnel I said, yeah, like you're going to whoop the U.S. military with your three guys. Uh, I said, you're not supposed to be thinking that way, planning that way. It's, the kingdom is not of this world. It's invisible. Are you an heir in it or not? Because if you're in it, you understand the principles of the kingdom. So first of all, it's not of this world. Secondly, it involves violence and physical warfare and the enforcement of the kingdom and the authority of the king because he said when it is time I'm going to fight so see he came the first time as a lamb to be slain but he's really who? the lion of the tribe of Judah and the lion tears and rips flesh and dominates everything else so the kingdom of Christ is a violent, physical, visible kingdom of enforcement. The law will be enforced. 
it's not time yet. It's not time. So, you know, you look at like 2 Corinthians 10, 4, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, right? Which means weaponry, guns, swords, bombs. No, it's invisible. But it's mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. We are fighting an invisible spiritual warfare. In the kingdom of Christ, it's a literal war. And, and he's going to kill so many people, the blood's going to rise to the horse's bridle, about five and a half foot deep. And it's going to saturate the earth, and we're going to be walking through a river of blood in hand-to-hand -hand combat. And I always try to think about that, how great it's going to be, because you're already going to have your glorified body, and you can't die, and you're going to be fighting these antichrists worshipers who can die and the blood's going to rise uh, so you know that's my favorite uh, I don't know if he'll say that but when he says saddle up boys when, when he says saddle up to fight the battle of Armageddon it'll be time to fight uh, it's not time yet you know some of us were either born 2,000 years too late or, too, or however many too early but know how to fight know how to fight in this dispensation. So the kingdom is not of this world, the kingdom of Christ, and it is physical, violent, and will enforce the law. And then, we're probably going to run out of time, but it's the kingdom of the Jews. It's a kingdom for Jews. Now once again, you have to listen to what I have to say further. If you're saved, you're a spiritual Jew. We are all one in Christ Jesus. There's no difference between the Jew and the Greek, male and female, bond and free, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. So let's look at this uh, in Romans chapter 2. And this is very important that you know your doctrine in Paulinian theology of New Testament doctrine of the kingdom of God. So look at um, Romans 2 and look at verse 28. End of the chapter. Romans 2, verse 28. For he is not a Jew which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit and not in the letter whose praise is not of men but of God. So Jews were circumcised on the eighth day, the sign of the Abrahamic covenant of the flesh that got them into the Abrahamic covenant, and then men would praise them. They would have their ceremonies, and they would dance. Uh, that's the praise of men. We're in the kingdom of God, which God praises us inwardly. When you get saved, you get circumcised in your heart and of the spirit. It's an inward, invisible transformation. So a Jew is not one outwardly. And so somebody was asking a very good question. Uh, you know, some people have the idea that every Jew is going to go to heaven and every Jew is saved. That's not true. Every man is accountable to God, and there's a lot of wicked Jews who are in hell right now. Jews have to get saved just like Gentiles, by faith. But 
if you get saved, you become a spiritual Jew through spiritual circumcision. So, it's inward though. And if it happens, you have the praise of God. God knows what happened. So, we're walking around in a world where Satan is the god of this world, and you're in a kingdom which is invisible, and only you and God knows it. It's really amazing. And anybody else who's in the kingdom. So, it's a kingdom of the Jews. I've got a lot of verses to show you on that. We're probably going to run out of time. But let's, uh, for this evening, let's look then, if you will, at Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. And look at verse uh, 26. Galatians 3.26. So remember, he's not talking to Jews here. He's talking to Gentiles in the church. Galatians 3.26. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you has, uh, as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed. Do you see that? And heirs according to the promise. So if you have faith in Christ, you become Abraham's seed of his lineage. Now you're in the will. See there? And heirs Boy, that's some good stuff. So, what did God tell Abraham? That he would make his seed as the stars of the heaven, as the sands of the sea. If you bless him, he'll bless you. If you curse him, he'll curse you. If you have faith in Christ, you are now made the seed of Abraham. That means you're in the will of the estate of Abraham. That means you're heirs in the kingdom and you will receive your contractual legal inheritance at the judgment. Alright? So, a lot of people are saying all the Jews get in. No, they don't. You have to have the faith of Abraham to be a circumcised Jew in the heart with a spiritual baptism and you're only truly Abraham's seed if you have the faith of Abraham. So that's why in the church age and in the kingdom of Christ, there is no Jew or Greek. We are all one uh, in Christ Jesus. So let's just look at one more verse and we'll be dismissed for the evening because of a lack of time. But I wanted you to see this. Look at Colossians chapter um, 3. How do you get this circumcision in the heart which is invisible not of the flesh look at Colossians 3 verse 9 it says for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily and ye are complete in him which is the head of all principality and power in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in, uh, in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead 
And you being dead in your sins and the un uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. And it just goes on and on. But look, it says in verse 11, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. So it says, and it tells how that happened. You have to get baptized into Christ. He circumcises your heart. And now you have been made the seed of Abraham. And now you are heirs in the will of the estate holder. Who is who? Jesus Christ. I mean, we ought to be shouting glory. Uh, it's just unbelievable what type of future we have. The, fu the future of the child of God is so unbelievably bright and glorious. I don't know how we could feel sorry for ourselves, bow our heads, cry, get depressed, mope around. Look what is in store for us, and it'll soon all be over now. It's coming. So, know the kingdom. We're, we're going to pick this up. I, I want to show you the other verses. Uh, I don't want to repeat too much, but the verses that talks just about the kingdom of Christ and describe the kingdom of Christ. But these kingdoms, you could say generally the same, but not really. They're technically different. If you rightly divide the word of truth, know what kingdom you're a part of and what is the kingdom to come and what is the so-called Lord prayer, but we're not supposed to pray in vain repetition. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. All right, let's stand. We'll be dismissed. Uh, please remember, Easter is uh, Sunday.